the Lord on today. Amen. Um, I give honor to my beloved wife. I'm so glad to have her back in the house yeah, yeah. on Sunday. Amen. Um, to minister, to teacher, amen, to each and every one of you. Um, amen. This word got to be the Lord because somebody else was supposed to speak this Sunday. Amen. And they end up not being able to make it. Amen. So, you know, I, I, I often tell my wife I keep bullets in the chamber. Amen. So I was taught you got to be ready in season, out of season. Amen. Because you never know. Amen. The mic is on, y'all. You never know. Amen. Um. You never know, amen, when God wants to use you or when he has a word for you to bring forth. And so on this Sunday, God has given me the title, Can I Trust You? Amen. Can I trust you? And, I, and I'm probably going to be all over the place, amen, because I, I have started to learn. It took me a good 15, 16, 17 years to realize when God started giving me a whole bunch, because I'm telling y'all, I was reading, reading, reading. I can't preach to you all that I was reading. so. But I know that God has a word in here. So I just got bullet points on this paper today. Amen. And so one of the things that I need you all to, to allow me to do on today, I'm, I'm asking for permission, but I know I don't need it, is to talk to you. Amen. 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 About you. Amen. amen. To talk to you about you. Amen. And um, last night I, I, I was just sitting and I was thinking. And I don't know, God been on this thing with y'all. He just been correcting me in my, in, my, in my thinking and how I've been doing things and just reminding me of things that he has been trying to get me away from for years. And one of those things is trying to save people. And y'all might be thinking, well, you the pastor, that's your job. Ain't you supposed to try to save people? No, I'm not the savior. I'm just supposed to preach. And that was one of the things that on the day I got saved, that was one of the things that was told to me that I can't save nobody. And I was told to stop trying to be a savior. I couldn't save my family. I couldn't save my mama. I couldn't save my daddy. I was told to stop trying to be a savior that Jesus had already done. And somewhere along the way, I think that we begin to start trying to, to work and we start trying to strive and we start trying to do stuff. Because we want people to be saved. But we got to realize that we can't save nobody. You can't save nobody, sister. And when I say y'all got that, one of the things that I need y'all to allow me to do today is to talk to you about you. So, you know, if I call your name, then don't get offended. Just allow me to talk to you about you. Amen. Because God was talking to me about me. Hallelujah. And so one of the things that I was taught was that put not your trust in man. And that's another thing I had been getting wrong for years. Amen. Because what was implied, and I, would, I didn't pick up on it when it was told to me, what's implies is don't put your trust in man to save you. But I should be able to trust my wife with my heart. I should be able to trust my parents, right? Now, if they let me down, that's on them. I can always go to God, but I'm not trusting my parents to save me. I'm not trusting my wife to save me, right? But we should have some level of trustworthiness in us as Christians. Y'all understand what I'm saying? 
it would be just easy. Like, don't trust me because I'm going to mess up. Don't, don't trust me because I'm going to let you down. Right? As a Christian, if you really love Jesus, people should be able to trust you, right? Not with their soul, not with their salvation, but they should be able to depend on you or call on you and know you're going to show up or know you're going to give them good advice or know you're going to come through or something. Right? So I, I, I just, I love the Lord on today, right? So put not your trust in man. Don't trust man to save you. God the Father designed you. Jesus died to save you. And the Holy Spirit came to keep you. And when you get saved, and I'm going to talk a lot about this today. And when you get saved, and not only saved, but you get filled. And this is the problem. And you get filled with the Holy Spirit. People should be able to trust the God in you. They can't trust the God in you if you don't have the God in you. Y'all catch what I'm saying? Until you get filled. Until you get filled with the Holy Spirit. And I hope I'm on somebody's toes right now. Until you get filled with the Holy Spirit, you aren't trustworthy. You're untrustworthy. Why are you saying that, Pastor? Because what's going to keep you, right? What's going to keep you from letting people down if God is not in you? What's going to stop you? What's going to stop you from cheating on your wife? What's going to stop you from even wanting to look at somebody else's butt? Right? Because as a man, you did, oh, that's just human nature. You can't stop that. That's just what we do. No, you can, yo, you can control your eyes if you want to control your eyes. You can turn the other way. You can. But you got to have a power to allow you to do that. So if God is not in you, then what is that power? You don't have none. See, see, most churches, all you got to do is just go to church, say you believe in Jesus, then you good. Why you think there's so many people around here church hurt? They went to the church looking to trust somebody, and then they get let down. Why? Because the Holy Spirit don't be in all these places. Lord, I thank you. People need to be able to trust the God in you. They need to be able to trust the God in you. And y'all ain't never heard me say this, but I just feel led to say this right now. Turn to your neighbor. <laughs> Turn to your neighbor. Look them dead in their eyes and say, can I trust the God in you? <laughs> yeah, y'all laughing. But if that thing was real, you might be saying, I don't even know you, bro. This is my first time seeing you. I don't know if I can trust the God. But then, but for those, for those who are members of this house, that's a very serious question. As my brother or my sister, can I trust the God in you, right? I'm not trusting. I'm not saying I want to trust that you're going to be perfect, but I need to trust that you got the spirit in you so that if you're not perfect, I need to trust that you're going to make it right. 
I need to trust that if you're going to make a mistake, you're going to try to correct it. I got to trust that you're not going to want to stay the same. I got to trust that you want to grow. I got to trust that you want to get better. I got to trust that you want to change. I got to trust that you're going to show up for me. I'm not trusting that you're going to be Jesus and you're going to save me, but I'm going to trust that you can be counted on, that you got power, that you can get a prayer through for me or my family, that you can make something move, that you can make something shake when it comes to God. Lord, I thank you. And so on today, and this is an open-ended question. When I when I wrote it down, I said, God, this is something I want them to go find for themselves. Because I want y'all to come back and tell me the answer. I know the answer, but I want I want to know what you're gonna find. What is the evidence that the Holy Spirit is in your life? What is the evidence that you, as a so-called Christian, are filled with the Holy Ghost? Can y'all answer that question today? And if you can't answer that question today, then what does that mean? I don't pass. I don't know if I got the Holy Ghost. You better find out. <coughs> I don't know if I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. You better find out. Because what's going to keep you? What's going to comfort you? What's going to save you from going off the deep end? Some of us are right on the edge. If it wasn't for God placing certain people in our life to pull us back, to to be able to call. But what happens when that person is gone? What happens when we stop reaching out, family? What happens if the church turned their back and said, we we ain't calling family no more? What happened? What happened, Roman Pastor? If Pastor pastor get out of here, you can't call Pastor no more and say, Pastor, we need to get on the call. I'm gone. You going to be able to walk it out? You going to keep going? Right? Lord, I thank you. I seen it. I seen it when Pastor Carter left. All of a sudden, everybody that was faithful wasn't faithful no more. They were there for her. Because now that it's just Pastor Johnson, we we, we no longer can do this anymore. What's the evidence of the Holy Spirit being present? God wants us to be obedient and he wants us to be faithful in how we deal with one another. Y'all think about that. He wants you, a lot of times we talk about being faithful to him. Do do you have a responsibility to be faithful to your brothers and sisters? Don't be like Cain and say, am I my brother's people? Right? We have a responsibility. God wants us to be trustworthy. In the end, when he says good and well done, faithful servant, what is he commending you on? Like, why is he saying good and well done? That that implies that you did something. That you did something that was worthy to say, you know what, good job. Lord, I thank you. Part of this sermon came to me. I was thinking about the kids in this church. And I was thinking about last Sunday, and I was thinking about the sermon Waymaker, and I was thinking about how they had to kill the lamb and apply the blood to the door. And like I and, and I was thinking about uh our niece Shatney who just had a baby and the pain that comes with that and the birth and the blood and the 
When God brings forth life, right, when you're born again, when, when God is trying to transform your life, that thing gets messy. It gets painful. Amen. We, we've been talking to our niece, and she calling this new baby and looking like, what I'm going to do with this baby? Like, this thing, you don't know what to do. You don't know which way you're going to go. And it don't stop because every year, every milestone, okay, they going to kindergarten. I don't know what to do. Oh, they going to middle school. I don't know what to do. They, they going through puberty. I don't know what to, They in high school. They trying to get married. They getting ready to have their own baby. I don't know. It never ends. Why are you talking about kids, Pastor, right? Because I was thinking about while Pastor T was gone, I was just thinking about, you know, I told y'all about Ellie and the support system. But then I started thinking, I'm like, man, I must really trust Marcus and Octavia to let my daughter stay at their house for four days. My only baby girl, right? And you might be thinking, what you mean, Pastor? Do you know how many children in this world get molested? Amen. You know how many folks get abused? You know how many times your child can go to somebody's house and their mama and their grandmama be smoking weed and getting drunk and watching porn Amen. and you are doing witchcraft? You don't know what folks doing out here in these streets. Amen. But I started to think about how I trust them with my daughter. And so I remember preaching a sermon a while ago when we were talking about Abraham and his faith and nurture and trust. And when you trust and when you have faith, that means you trust God to hold you like a what? Like a child, like a baby. How babies just go to sleep in anybody's arms. They don't know what's happening from one minute to the next. Who going to feed them? Who going to change them? Right? And I was thinking about all of these things. And, you know, we trust people with our most prized possessions. You send your children off to school every day thinking that they're going to be safe. And that's like, that's dangerous because what we know, we know kids get shot in elementary school. Elementary school children shooting teachers. And we walking around with all this confidence in things when really our trust should be in the Lord to keep us, to preserve us. In Matthew 8 and 6, it says, if anyone should cause one of these little ones to lose faith in me, it would be better that for that person to have a large millstone tied around his neck and drowned in the deep sea. When people lose faith in God, it does not start when they turn adults. It starts out when they are a child. And people that are supposed to be serving the Lord let them down. They don't protect them. They don't, they don't treat them right. They mistreat their spouse. They get hooked on drugs. They mismanage their money. And then you go through all of these things as you grow up. And you like, it's hard for me to believe that a loving God would allow all of these things to happen. God wants us to be trustworthy. He wants your children to grow up and know that the God in you is real. The greatest damage you can do to your child and to other people is to come to church every Sunday, say you love God, and then don't live it. Especially if you are supposed to be the example. 
If I'm supposed to be an example of what a man looks like to my son, and I'm standing up here preaching to y'all, and then I go home and I cuss out my wife, that's going to confuse him. He's going to think, well, he a man of God, and he can do that, so I can do that too. Because he, he is the standard, right? Can you be trusted? Children represent God's promises. How you, how, you, how you come up with that, Pastor? When you think about, what did he promise Abraham? I, he promised Abraham descendants. He promised Abraham a seed. Hebrews 11 and 11 says, It was faith that made Abraham able to become a father, even though he was too old and Sarah herself could not have children. He trusted God to keep his promise. It's no surprise that we get to adulthood and have trust issues, doubt issues. We try to do it on our own because we can't trust. You can't trust God because you have not been, probably haven't been able to trust the people in your life. You can't trust God because you haven't been able to trust the people around you. Probably ain't even had this. And when I say, I'm not talking about people abusing you, but I'm just, you've seen, we've seen too many people do too much wrong stuff. We've seen too many people do too much wrong stuff. So it's like, we, we, we be, as human beings, we, we try to settle it in our heart that I can't be perfect. So it ain't even no point in trying. I just do, I just do what I can. Instead of continuing to strive to be like Jesus. And we feel defeated like that because we are surrounded by wrongdoing every single day. God wants to turn you into the light. He wants to turn you into the solution in a time of distress. He wants you, he want to be that one. He wants you to be that one person where, whether you surrounded by all of this other stuff. He wants you to be that person. Well, I know that man right there. I know that woman right there live for the Lord. I can trust her to pray. Lord, I thank you. And so we were born into this world where we are, because of sin, we were born into this world where we are destined to get let down. But something different is supposed to happen when we're born again. Because you were born in the flesh the first time. When you get born again, you're supposed to be born of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit, right? God, your Father, comes to abide with you. The Holy Spirit provides a level of trust like no other. And let me tell y'all, the Holy Spirit surpasses a level of agreement. The Holy Spirit puts you on one accord. What do you mean, Pastor? I might say something, and my armor bearer be like, you know what, Pastor, I agree with that. But for him to be on one accord with me, that's something totally different. That means we walking in lockstep in all things. Right? And when I say in all things, I'm talking about the things that matter, the things of God. We ain't gotta, we ain't gotta, we ain't gotta agree on what, what our favorite food is, but when it comes to the things of God, we walking in lockstep about what it means to be holy, about what it means to be righteous about what it means to have patience. See, well, what, what happened in a lot of churches is people just worry about, can I agree? We want people to agree with us. 
We need to be in one accord. Stuff don't move until you're on one accord. You can fall in and out of agreement with people, but when the Holy Spirit puts you on one accord, right? The word talks about how God seals us. Like when we start talking about doors that God can open and no man can close, right? When God start doing stuff, you can't manipulate it and twist it and turn it. When you start talking about marriage, right? What God put together, no man can, right? Y'all understand what I'm saying? When God put you on one accord, you can't unravel that thing. What it say? A threefold cord is not easily what? You can't, when God puts it right, but you can fall in and out of agreement with somebody, depending on the day of the week. But when he puts you on one accord, think about when he asked the church, when he asked believers to be on one accord, to be of one mind. That means that thing don't shake. It don't, it don't, faith don't waver. It don't. Imagine how powerful that is if everybody in this room had a made up mind that our brother Marcus, that what God prophesied to him last Sunday, is 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 already on the way. There's no doubt in anybody, not just his mind, not just my mind, but everybody in his mind. And we all trust him and we all believe him for that thing. Imagine how powerful that is. That's what it means to be on one accord. You can't be on one accord without the Holy Ghost. Greatness recognize greatness. The word says you should love your brother and your sister by the love that they show one towards another. Love not paying somebody on the back all the time. Love might be telling somebody you out of order. But you don't know, and I thank God she's not here. I thank God for Sister Chanel. I had a conversation with her, and she said, you know what? She said, she say, brother, she said, you the truth. She said, some of the stuff you say might be controversial. <laughs> I was like, okay, controversial. Say, some of the stuff you say might be controversial. She said, but it's the truth. The Holy Spirit, right? When, 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 when God, when Jesus was talking to Peter and he said, man did not, when he said, who do men say that I am? He says, man did not reveal this to you. It's only it's certain things that only the Holy Spirit can make people see. I can be prophesying to Sister Esso. And she can hear me and say, you know what, Pastor? I'm going to trust what you're saying because of who you are. But until the Holy Spirit revealed that thing to you, it don't become real. It's just what Pastor said. But when you had a Holy Spirit, when two, have, when two believers have the Holy Spirit, something different has to happen. Right? Romans 8 and 7 says, because the cardinal mind is enmity against God. That's hatred. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. So that if it so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, 
He is none of his. I asked y'all a question earlier in this sermon. How do you know that you have the spirit of God? How do you know that you are filled with the spirit? I know this is going to be controversial to some folks, but you got to get in your word. Pastor used to say you can only stay saved, but for so long. What you mean, don't you stay saved? You lose yourself. People have been arguing this for centuries. I believe that just because you say, like, if you, if, if you get to the end, if you get to judgment, and God does not say good and well done, faithful servant, then you was never really saved. You were never really saved. You weren't sincere. If you love me, what? Keep my commandments. Think about all the things that he said that seem so cut and dry to let us know what side we stand on. But we try to justify like, he can't really mean that, right? He, 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 know, he know my heart, right? It, it, really, it really ain't that serious, is it? And that's why I say we try to make it like we try to make it where, you know, we don't have to be. I don't have to be perfect, right, Pastor? You sure need to try to be. You need to try 100% to be. Even if you ain't, even if you can't get there. You don't need to just 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 wash the thought away. Ain't even no point in trying. Because I know I can't get there. You need to try to be as, as much as you can. The word says he who knows to do good and does it, does it not is in what? Sin. That's why I say it's nothing as dangerous as a person who's sitting here. And then willingly go out and act contrary to what they know they should be doing. And then we wonder why we can't be blessed. I have in my notes, and I'm almost done, y'all. I have in my notes, I hate the sin in you, but I still love you. I hate the sin in you, but I still love you. A lot of people, when they come in this church, they say they can feel the love. And that's why I don't have my I don't have no, I don't have no problem hugging nobody. I don't care what you did. I don't have no problem having no conversation with you. I don't even care if you still got one foot over here and one foot over there. Right? I try my hardest to speak to the spiritual part of people. I try my hardest. I'm talking about me as pastor to y'all three PD. I try my hardest to speak to your future in spite of what I see. Because I see the scene. I don't want y'all to think that I'm dumb. I don't want y'all to think that I'm blind. I see the pride in you. I see the double-mindedness in you. Right? I see the lust in you. I see the greed. I see the selfishness. I see the pettiness. I see it. But I choose to look at the person that God wants you to be. And that allows me to do still do my job. That allows me to still pick up the phone even though I know you ain't right. That allows me to still send you some money even though you don't give to the church for other people to have some money. 
Because he taught me a long time ago that y'all don't belong to me. Y'all belong to him. I serve him. And I choose, I try my hardest to speak to the greatness that's in y'all. Because the thing about being, like the, the hardest part about being a pastor is seeing what God wants a person to do and seeing them either go the other way or run into a wall over and over and over again. And you can't do nothing to stop it. You can preach, you can pray, you can talk, but until that Holy Spirit allows them to see what God is trying to tell them, nothing is going to move. All right, I'm coming to it. This is Luke 1, 35 through 45. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and God's power will rest upon you. This is the angel talking to Mary. For this reason, the holy child will be called the son of God. Remember your relative Elizabeth? It is said that she could not have, have children, but she herself is now six months pregnant, even though she is very old. For there is nothing that God cannot do. Mary responds to the angel. She says, I am the Lord's servant, Mary said. May it happen to me as you have said. And the angel left her. Soon afterwards, Mary got ready and hurried off to the town in the hill country of Judea. She went into Zechariah's house and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby moved within her. Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and said in a loud voice, you are the most blessed of all women and blessed is the child that you will bear. Why should this such great thing happen to me that my Lord's mother comes to visit me? For as soon as I heard your greeting, the baby within me jumped with gladness. How happy you are to believe that the Lord's message to you will come true. Why did you read that, Pastor? Because when the Holy Spirit enters the room, it should move something on the inside of you. She didn't even tell Elizabeth. She couldn't text and tell I'm coming, I'm pregnant. She walked in the room And Elizabeth was able to identify that girl. And, it, and she wasn't showing because it said soon after. In the last note that I have in here, I says, you know, I was talking about kids, but I want to talk about adults. And, and, and this is what I feel for many of us in this church. I ain't talking about other churches. I'm talking about this church. I am glad that Christ has been preached. But I am grieved that many of you have not experienced the depths of God's love for you. Why? Holy Ghost. 
And I hope it's I hope it's pink in you, because that's what it's supposed to do. I asked y'all a question. How do you know that you feel with the Holy Spirit? How do you know God loves you for real? You might say, well, I remember that time I got in that car accident and he spared my life. There's some, there's some folks out there that went to the club that's blaspheming and did all kind of stuff and God spared them from a car accident too. We measure God's love for us by the time that he saved our life. But this is, this is not the only life. Like we give death so much weight. Like as long as he keeping me alive, he loves me. But death is not the end. I can die and God still love me because I'm going to live again. So then that can't be the measure of his love for you all the times he got you out your mess. That can't be the measure of his love for you. How do you know that he loves you for, for real? He'll come and abide with you. He will come and abide. He will take up residence. He will take up shop in your body. On the inside of you. I ain't talking about just in God in God in my house because I got the Ten Commandments on the wall. No. I'm talking about the inside of you. Can you be trusted? Can you be trusted? Amen.